It's Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Here we go, 4 o'clock hour. Willie Ramirez is here with us. Reno is in. Ari alongside, running the show. Cofield and Company. It's all brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 766-1400. Is the number. Let's get to the big four. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents The Big Four at Four. Number four. We will break down the Aces and the Storm in a little bit, but uh, nice weekend, 1-0 start, blowout win, 105-64. to uh, Mark Davis is problems for the rest of the WNBA because he's got lots of money and he wants to run his WNBA franchise like a big-time franchise while... You know, I think the league has told a lot of other owners, hey, you know what, it's fine. If you don't have a lot of money, you can be penny-pinching and treat your players like crap. They haven't said that, but they've tried to <laughs> hold down costs. Well, now yeah. they got a real issue, yeah. along with Davis, because while Mark Davis is rich, this Matt Ishbia, is that how you say his name? The new Suns owner, he's freaking rich. And he's one of those guys who, who strikes me. I don't know a whole lot about him, but he's a young guy. He strikes me as a Mark Cuban type. Like, I'm going to do what I want to do. Yeah. Is he already starting to ruffle feathers? Well, he's now been very vocal in that he believes in chartered flights. So the WNBA has has said all playoff teams will fly chartered uh, flights. And if they play back-to-back games, they're going to be able to be chartered. Because of the security issue with Brittany Griner in that she's going to be having an extra security they don't know how many road games she's going to be on. There's a lot of question marks with that. But he added in that he believes there should be charter flights for all games. Hands down, no doubt about it. That makes three. So that's three out of the 12, right? So you got Matt Ishbia, Joe Sy, and Mark Davis advocating this is the way it's got to be. And let me tell you something. Matt Ishbia. <laughs> so dynamite. Has now been in the spotlight, right? From the from the brush up with the Suns, now with the Mercury, but he's going to be able to be very point and make poignant uh, comments, and he's going to be out there in the public eye. Why? Brittany Griner, the All Eyes. They just released a statement that in the history of the league, the opener in which she returned mm-hmm. against the Spark, number one viewership of all time. Really? For the W? Yes, they just put that out. Number three. Did you watch that game? Did you get a chance to watch, or are you doing too much post uh, game work? No, I was, I was, I was paying, I was, I was keeping an eye on it because I had, I had somewhat of an interest in it because I liked the Sparks that night. Okay, so yeah, so there was a crossover. Obviously, uh, you had, you know, because the hockey was going late night, right, or later into the night because of an overtime. Right. It's like when, when are we actually going to get the WNBA on ESPN? Eventually, it switched over. I think it started on ESPN too. It was interesting. When I watched the beginning of it, I was like, man, they're covering the return of BG, as she calls herself, a lot. And I'm like, well, that was a massive story. 
So why not cover it? I was watching it for basketball. Right. Uh, what do you think of the basketball between the two teams? Because you said you had an interest in the Sparks. Yeah, I, well, it was exactly how I thought it would be because of Kurt Miller taking over the Los Angeles Sparks. I thought it was fantastic. I mean, Vanessa Nygaard is a really good coach, and she and she knows things. But there's still going to have to be a, a, a sort of a rekindling of chemistry be, with what the roster that she now has there. And let's not forget, she's got Shea Petty's still recovering from Achilles. Um Skylar Diggins-Smith is on maternity leave. So you got DT, Diana Taurasi, you got uh, Brittany Griner. You got the rest of your roster that you're still – where the L.A. Sparks has a returning core, plus they brought in – they got the Lumake sisters, Lexi Brown, Jordan Canada. But Kurt Miller is a veteran coach. This is the guy that led the Connecticut Sun to the WNBA Finals. So I was excited because here – you know, in a sense, it's like, oh, BG's return. But I was like, okay, don't let's not get too high on this because the Sparks are going to beat this team. And not only did they beat them, they – they, they kind of beat him into a little bit of submission, and then the spark, and then the Mercury had to have their home opener too. That didn't go too well either. So, what did you think of the Mercury? What did you think of BG and the way she played? Brittany Griner, by the way, we keep calling her BG. I was surprised. She she actually, I, I'm surprised that she is up to game speed. I thought it was going to take a little bit of time for her to get up to game speed, like true game speed. But you know, she pulls up for the tray. She hits that. Um, I, you know, I, she's she's more, a little more advanced than I thought that she would be for the start of the season. Um, I think it's more or less just getting getting everybody on the same page. And and remember, Vanessa Nygaard, that was her first season last year. So this is her second season, but it's her first season with BG. And let's face it, Diana Taurasi is considered by many as the goat. Um, some call her the logo. There's been no confirmation of that. But the fact of the matter is, this is BG's team, and this is the Brittany Griner season. So there's just a lot of things, a lot of moving parts with that organization right now. So Griner had 27 points and 10 rebounds in Game 2, played 31 minutes. I had sent to you that I thought she looked a little heavy, like especially in the legs. Yeah. I cannot wait, and it's a ways off. I think it's June 21st when the Aces play the Mercury and Brittany Griner. Can mm-hmm. she get up and down the floor with the Aces? By then she will be. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, no, she will be. No, I think Her game's so. not predicated on being a power player, which I've you know, I've talked about a lot with uh, Coach Becky coming into the league from the Spurs. They play FIBA basketball. The bigs are sleek. Yeah. You know, the days of the you know, 220 to 250-pound big who's just going to sit on the block on the opposition. I'm not sure that works against the Aces if you can't get up and down the floor. It Well, the Aces play a different brand of basketball from everybody. They play Lakers 80 Showtime basketball. They play a fast-paced game, yes. But I think by then, Brittany Griner will be – like, I think that – I like you asked me, I'm surprised that she is advanced as she is in, in being up to game speed for the start of the season. By then, she will be back into her conditioning, and she'll know she's going to have to be. You know what I mean? And I think that she'll be able to adjust, and she will – have enough time. If you're if you're telling me that they're about to play them next week, off of what we just saw, they're in trouble. Uh, she's in trouble. Okay. Flip side of it. Okay. Do the Aces have enough bigs? Can, can could the Mercury actually punish them by just having her on the block? And you know the Aces having a lot of sleek bigs and Brittany no. Griner's going for uh, 44 and 25. Even if she goes off, they're not going to. They're they're not going to. That team's not going to threaten the the Aces because you have you have Asia Wilson, you have Candace Parker, but let's not forget that you had Kia Stokes who started in the WNBA Finals last year. So she was she she can bang down low. You have Kayla George who is a dynamic player right from Australia. She's in. So 
There's four players that can bang in the paint for the Las Vegas Aces. Oh, and let's not forget about that talented backcourt for the nice driving kick or to knock down threes. I mean, Chelsea Gray, Kelsey Plum, and uh, Jackie Young just to start. And then you got Kirsten Bell coming off the bench. Eh, I don't, I don't think that they have to worry about the Mercury. Number two. Panthers, two overtime victories. Knights, two overtime victories. That's the NHL so far in the semifinals. It's actually never happened before. Never. Never happened before. You don't feel like the Knights are just going to roll past Dallas. Uh, but on the along the same lines, are the Panthers, Panthers did take the two games on the road. Yes. Are the Panthers going to sweep to a victory here? I feel like this is going to be a really tight series, and home ice isn't going to make that much of a difference. I don't think they're going to sweep, but I think they will split in Florida. They'll be up 3-1 going back to Carolina. Their shot is to win this. They, they should hope that they can win it in six. Their goal is kind of like the road team. Go, You know, it's like going on the road, you want to split, at least get one on the road. They should hope that they get one at home against the Carolina team because Carolina is the type of team that could bounce back from a 2-0 deficit. I think the percentage is like 91% of the teams that win the first two. Um, if, they, if they win games one and two, they, they go on to the Stanley Cup final. Uh, but the fact that Carolina plays the way that they do, they have some veterans on the team, and they can explode on you at any given time, um, they could respond. And if they split in Sunrise, Florida – and come back to to Carolina. This this series is going to go to six. Vegas has a chance to sweep Dallas. I fully believe that. Hmm. I said to myself, if Vegas, well, I actually said to a couple of the reporters yesterday, if they win big in game two, they're going to sweep them, or Dallas is going to win. I didn't expect to how it unfolded. They may have broke Dallas's back in game two because of scoring with 222 left in the game and then scoring so early in overtime, you completely just broke their spirit. I don't care what you're going to tell me. You broke their spirit. And don't forget that Jake Andres, as impressive as he's been, the Seattle Kraken did some damage to that dude. So the Golden Knights are similar to Seattle, but they have a lot more star power and their depth is a little better than Seattle. So I think that there's a chance that they if, if they win game three, they're winning game four. I'm, I fully believe that. Number one. June 1st becomes a very important day. Not becomes. It is a very important day around the NFL. Yeah. Because different contracts. After June 1st, there's some cap relief. And locally... What that means is that what seems like a positional glut, not a bad thing on the Raiders to have a lot of talent out of position, but with the signing of Jacoby Myers to 11 mil a year and the draft of the draft pick of Trey Tucker, who's probably not ready yet, they brought in a couple other small receivers in Dorsett and DeAndre Carter. Hunter Renfro on June 1st, things change money-wise for him. And for the organization, more importantly. Yeah. Are, are we to expect him to move in the first week of June? Is this they going to take another key, you know, longtime member of the organization and well, send him packing? It's not that long. When did he get drafted? Well, the turnover's been the turnover's been so intense. He's no, it has guys been, left. But, but, yeah, no, you're right. I mean, let's but, say but this, a, a fan favorite. Yeah, and well, they've gotten rid of well, a lot of fan favorites. He he was a fan favorite because of what he did two years ago. Uh, you know, because last year he he was riddled with injuries. But two years ago, when he stepped up, because Carr had Waller Waller as leading receiver, leading receiver, and then Renfro stepped up, and he just shocked everybody by taking over that receiving core. 
Um, I, I, I don't want to say that McDaniels and Ziegler dislike Hunter Renfro, but I just think that in their eyes, like they could, they have other options now. They're not sold. And he's a Derek Carr guy. Mm. So, hey, um, by the way, while this is becoming Patriots West, are the Saints becoming Raiders South? Because you got Derek Carr. Now they brought in Jonathan Abram, Brian Edwards, Foster Morrow, Oh, hello, Hunter Renfro. All of a sudden, if you got Carr and Renfro in the slot and Morrow on the line, Carr's familiarity with his guys and comfortability to start the season, it's right there at his fingertips. Now you got Brian Edwards, who didn't spend a lot of time, right? He was he was dealt away. He went down right. to Miami. But this is a this Atlanta. is a what was there? Atlanta. Oh, I thought he went to who that was there, Bowden. There was it, Lynn Bowden. Lynn Miami, Bowden yeah, yeah. went to Miami. Okay. Uh nevertheless. I mean, Carr's got some familiar faces around him already. Hunter Renfro would be a huge grab, and it would alleviate one less headache for McDaniels to deal with come training camp because he's got a big wide receiver room. So, damn. I read that on the, the, the on anger. this uh, SaintsWire.com. <laughs> I read that, and I was like, what? So, yeah, it's, it, it would be, uh, you know. And you know what? Here's the thing. Hunter Renfro's... Who, wherever he plays next year, there that's the that team will benefit if he stays here. The Raiders because he's a good guy in the locker room. He's a locker room dude. He's a team guy. He's great with the media, and he's just overall a really good talent. This hour every day in Reno and Vegas is brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. Call Justin or Matt. Rest of the crew at Battleborn Injury Lawyers from anywhere in the state seven six six fourteen hundred dial seven seven five in the north for Battleborn Injury Lawyers. It's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Rolling towards the halfway point of the show, ESPN Reno, ESPN Las Vegas. Willie's here, Willie Ramirez. It's Cofield. We're just starting to get into the Raiders and what else could happen during the offseason. We didn't finish up on Hunter Renfro. By the way, a lot more VGK coming too as well. Calls there. Sportsnet in Canada. If they move Renfro. The belief, or I guess the wish, maybe something that would satisfy Raiders fans would be a high-profile defensive player coming in in exchange. Do you think there's any chance of that? I don't know about high-profile. Eight, ten, twelve million-dollar player on defense. That would be. That should be their goal. That should be their goal. Is you know is that that's what you would think. The question is who, right? Um, I mean, they should not be trying to match talent and try to bring in another offensive player. You don't. No, know. can Col- you imagine? <laughs> You're an offensive guru. Cultivate the offense, but right. it's a matter of who they go after or who they request, and and who wants out. You know, if if that's the case, I don't see on the back seven, or whatever you want to call it, mm. the back end. It won't be Jonathan Abram. Yeah, uh, I don't see them bringing in a big name. I just think this is their philosophy, Willie. 
that they're willing to piece it, you know, piece it together with guys who are more on the, you know, bargain basement end of things. And if that means that, you know, you could bring in Marcus Peters for pennies on the dollar, maybe they would do that. But I don't know if he can play anymore. But I don't I don't think Raiders fans are going to get their wish. And I know every time in free agency they start looking at defensive backs and linebackers and they're like, oh, high dollar item here, famous guy there. Well, I'm just looking at the Saints roster because it, it's got to come from there, right? I mean, they could do a three-way trade. I mean, it doesn't have to come from anywhere. It could just be picks. It could be Hunter Renfro for picks. It Might could, get no one in return. It could be in free-up salary and then, yep. I guess. But if they can cherry-pick someone off this roster, it's just a matter of who. I think their philosophy is we're not spending money on the back end. And it's funny. I brought up a story last week. It was actually just a – it was yeah, it was a headline on a – Chargers fan site. I think I'm like fan sided. And I was suggesting that Charger fans were laughing at Raiders fans for having to go through the bargain bin to look at a guy like Marcus Peters. When I read it, I was like, you have JC Jackson. He's making like 18, 19, 20 million dollars a year. He did nothing for you. What do you mean they're laughing at the Raiders? Maybe that's what you should be doing is going to the bargain bin. But yeah, I think they're going to build this defense. Their philosophy right now is we'll spend money up front, clearly, and high picks up front, and we're going to piece it together and find the right guys on the back end, and they're not going to cost us a whole lot of money. So deal deal run throw and bring back picks and then just build, cultivate, and build Well, is what you're saying. If we follow the theory of our good friend Adam Hill on the show, he thought the entire draft or most of the draft was simply a build for the future anyway. It Well, it was. Which, I mean, it's always a build for the future, but – the point is that, that they were in some ways punting on this year by bringing in some guys who were already dinged up. Like, is Tyree Wilson going to play a full season? Is this foot injury okay? Is he ready to go at the beginning of the year? We don't know. I'll give you something else. This is going to be I got the, nec- the, next, the next two weeks. Go ahead, give me someone. I don't know. They just brought him in, though, but so I, I don't know. But, <laughs> but Tyron Matthews is. He's about a $9 million. It looks like, uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. His dead cap hit might the, be too much. Might be too much. The honey, and, the honey badger was also very me, me, me at the end. Yeah, like bro. Yeah, it's that point in the career. I don't know if they let's know, stop with the me. I don't know if they want that in the locker room. Yeah, I don't know if he's a locker room so guy. A little bit of drama. Yeah, yeah. Like you can't coexist with some of the organizations he's been part of. There's seriously? some names. You know what? There are some names on there. Um, but there are some names. But it just would be a matter of. Who they'd want to be because they could also get a low end salary guy yeah. for Renfro with picks. Is there, also, is there a former Patriot on the list? <laughs> yes, we ding, ding, to, ding, ding, we ding. To, let me do some right. research. Okay, well, speaking of that, yeah, speaking of that, we could have Hunter Renfro dealt because his cap casualty number to the Raiders goes down January or June 1st. In a two week period, we could have Renfro dealt at the back end of this, and it looks like. Patriots, he's, he'll always be the Patriots quarterback. Former Patriots quarterback of the tuck rule against the Raiders <laughs> is going to be a minority owner of the Las Vegas Raiders. Mark Davis is Las Vegas Raiders. Open arms to one Tom Brady. If you're a Raiders super fan, you're good with this? I know you're not, and I'm not. But I'm trying to like I'm trying to put myself in the place of like super intense Raider Nation guy. Wait a minute. Are you cool? Are you cool with this? I never said I wasn't cool with this. 
I never said that. When did that come about? I wrote a column for Sporting Tribune right. saying this is not about synergy between the Raiders and the Aces and Davis, his two teams, and blah, 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 and Brady and the This is about Brady. I love it for the fact that a star power name like that in now having a piece of two professional franchises in Vegas because that's going to just further incentivize a guy like LeBron James with the NBA and more. Yeah, but you're looking more, at it as Vegas. As a Vegas yes, story. that's right. I am looking at it as Vegas. If you're part of Raider Nation, town. I'm the not guy, part of Raider Nation. The guy Nation. dealt you. We'll put ourselves in those shoes. Oh, the well, guy dealt you one of the worst okay. losses okay. in the history of your organization. Okay, and well, now, well, now that's Davis not like, the yeah, way you presented it. Come on, you Lord, presented Tom. it differently. You said, "I know you're not cool with it. I'm not cool with it." Now we look at it like Raider Nation got. I don't know if I said the I'm, "you're not cool." Pull the sound, cool. damn it! I said we're not Raiders fans. Right, but you also said, "I know you're not okay with it. I'm not okay with it." If we're Raider Nation people, so that's how you presented it. I think we have to get the real to real out, but we don't have one. <laughs> Regardless, digitally, the bottom line is digitally you're right. We should be able to turn this you're around right. in 30 seconds. If, but if you're Raider Nation, you're probably going to be a little bit upset going, wait a minute, what? We're bringing this guy in? Isn't there somebody else you could have possibly brought in? I don't know what – like to them, they're probably thinking – what is this benefit? Do you uh, do you need? Do you have to have somebody in here? Are you are you trying to? What, where's you out of money? What do you need? Why are you bring a Tom Brady? Maybe it's a star power. I don't know. I don't know. All right. We do know that my good friend Josh Dubow uh, replied to Paul Gutierrez, our good friend from ESPN. He tweeted out the quote and he said, "Is part of the agreement in the contract that he had to admit that it was a fumble." And Paul said he asked, and, it, and there was a no comment. But the official quote through Paul Gutierrez on Twitter from ESPN, he said, Mark Davis, owner of the Raiders, said, we have come to an agreement for Tom Brady to become a partner in the Raiders, and we have submitted it to the NFL for approval. We're excited for Tom to join the Raiders, and it's exciting because he will be just the third player in the history of the National Football League to become an owner. The other two, George Hallis and Jerry Richardson as former players turned owners in the NFL. Okay. One, yes. if this were the Jets, I'd be pissed off. <laughs> okay. Tom Brady's an enemy. He made my life miserable every fall for 20 years. You're ripping open the wound and pouring Tom Brady branded salt in the wound. So I'm I'm I would be I would be pissed uh if it were say the Yankees and they're like, "Oh yeah, we're going to bring in Pedro Martinez." As an owner. Totally like, different. Up yours. Totally different. No. It, yes. No. It's different than Jets, Patriots, uh, and, and, and Yankees, Red Sox. It's one game. It, they're not a rival. If you're bringing in a, a Charger or a – John Elway, part owner. Okay, wait a minute. What? Add, you know what? Add someone from the Steelers from the freaking Immaculate Reception. Every horrific moment in Raiders history, <laughs> who's the guy who was riding the tricycle, uh, you know, Barrett Robbins around Mexico? Bring him in, too. Okay, relax. Right? Every Everyone who's dealt Raider Nation <laughs> hellacious moments, take, they all get to be owners. Take it easy, Turbo. <laughs> I just had more people go through my head, but I don't think I can say it on the air, so... No, the problem is, the problem is, the problem is, is you're thinking of people that you could throw out there just to throw in your, and in your mind, you're probably going, I don't know if they're dead or not. <laughs> That's... Because you said immaculate reception, and I was waiting for the word well, Franco well, Harris know, to come out. I know, I know. Yeah. Frenchie Fuqua's still alive, I think, so. Okay. Bring in Frenchie as an owner. Bring in Bradshaw. 
You cool with Bradshaw being an owner? Bradshaw, Brady. Yeah. Who else? Who else you want to bring in who's, who's you know, freaking plunged a dagger in the heart of Raiders fans? <sighs> you're just not a fan, man. Just not a fan. I'm and, not you're, a fan. and you're a fan of the Cowboys, but the Cow- but Jerry Jones so often would sleep with the enemy. You know what I mean? Like someone who he, who killed him over the years. He's like, come on in. We got we got to we got to have a run with you, please. I'm trying to think. Who would I be upset if they allow? Well, nobody had a problem when Bill Parcells came in and coached that team. They right? should have. Right. All, well. Uh, that that was no, that was special. It's not a. It's not a. Uh, 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 uh. No, that was special. That was special because when you're desperate at at the coaching position, sometimes you have to sleep with the enemy. The Raiders aren't. Are there? And are, are the Raiders desperate for Tom Brady's money? They, they can't be. Could be. Mark. Davis you know why I'm really mad about this, right? Mark Davis could be desperate. You know why I'm really mad about this? I don't. Well, what does this mean for Tom Brady for his for his career? What was I very excited about? Like the only person on Sports Talk Radio. No, who's they've fired ar- up. no, they've already said when the rumor first came out, they made us the statement that he can still go on the air. Mm-hmm. There's no conflict. You believe that? Yes. Just don't you just don't comment. You just don't uh, you just don't uh, broadcast those games. What's the problem? I have no problem with that. I have no problem. With I got a lot of problems here. Oh boy, I got a lot of problems here. Let me get the we'll cap. get to the next we one. We need to get Steve Derek Carr's number is already gone. Are we serious? Already? Field and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. It's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. John Bartlett, Sportsnet, with a call there. Stevie, getting the job done on many fronts in the game, and as Willie brought up earlier, didn't have the strongest start to the game. And Butchie, Bruce Cassidy pulled him to the side and said what? Basically cut it out. Let's leave our egos at the door. You know what I mean? This is playoff hockey. This is time to be smart and think with our heads, not with our actions. We, you know, uh, retaliation, silly penalties. You don't want it. I mean, granted, we got past the uh, – look, Chandler, we got past the number one power play. That's fine and dandy, but we're not, we don't need to give Dallas any extra, you know. And he, and it was. They were getting under their skin a little bit. They got in their heads, and they were retaliating. Um, like I said, and we started off by talking about how there was that little, there was some little extra time, little shoves, little this, little that on both ends. It's and, and here's the thing, I would imagine that that speech came mostly because it's very uncharacteristic of Chandler Stevenson. He's an IQ guy, you know what I mean. So he's somebody who he's he's looked at as somewhat of a leader. He's out there. He's generating even keel. Yeah, just unlike like the, you, just like the show. Well, no, on me. You're like, just yelling like a lunatic. No, I'm kind of. I'm kind of like. Well, no. See, I was Chandler Stevenson in those first two periods, and now the rest of the show, I'll be the guy that wins Ari the game. Pull, Ari you, you are yes. Ari pulled inside. Said, let's the way. leave the Eagles don't at the yell, door. Don't yell. Don't. Yell. He said, "Don't trigger the shows Ryan Reeves or Keegan Colasar." Okay, that's you. I can accept that. Yeah, I can accept that. Um, how upset are you? Because you got along pretty well with Derek Carr, aside from the. That one time he said, uh, what did he say to you? Like, What's your real question? To answer your real question, yeah. I love Oli. 
right. talking about Greg Olson. He, he thought you were trying to sneak in some sort of yeah, underhanded yeah, question. Yeah. Uh, Derek Carr's number is gone. I did make him cry. Derek Carr's number is gone. It is what That's it is. Number four is gone. Aiden O'Connell has already been given the number. What a smack to the business face business. of Derek Carr. Well, he's never going to be retired. Don't look at me like that. Never. Never? Never. Never should be. Why? Guy didn't win a playoff game. What are you going to do? Because he's, because he's got franchise numbers? I don't think so. <laughs> Absolutely not. Greatest quarterback in the history of the Raiders? No. Ken Stabler. Thank you. Next question. That's it. That's it. There's no discussion. I see this debate going on all the time. I yeah. On social media. Well, it's Carr over Stabler, over LaMonica, over Gannon. No, 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 no. Ken Stabler, end of story for me. That's it. What else you got? What else you got? <laughs> he's he's like, I'm done with this one. I'll be a Taylor Stevenson. I I ran my yeah, shift. Yep. Now I'm on the quick, bench. Quick, 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 yeah, quick. Yeah, I'm coming back for the next shift. How about this one with John Von Tobel coming up, NBA expert? Yes. Very much a fan of this era, and I'll say this era began, you know, 2005 or so. Yeah. Is Derek sure. Carr basically Carmelo Anthony? Ooh. Wow. Yeah, okay. That's a yeah. good one. You, ha- you hash this out. You got a minute. I would have to say that Carmelo Anthony is a little bit better than Carmelo Anthony in his field is better than Derek Carr is in his. As better far, or a little bit better? His, the st- his stature is better. Okay. Yeah. Neither so, one. So Hall of Good. Hall of Good. Derek Carr, unless Derek Carr has a next like a Kurt Warner. Derek Carr is not in the Hall Kurt of Fame yet. No. And they win. They win a Super Bowl or two in New Orleans. I, I, I'm not going to go as far as saying Derek Carr needs to win a Super Bowl to get in the Hall of Fame, but he's not there yet. If he continues to do what he's doing, putting up productive numbers, and he starts – like, let's say he goes – well, uh, I, I can't say if because he's not going to – I don't think he's going to break any records that Drew Brees has with the team. 766-1400 is a number from anywhere in the state of Nevada for Battleborn Injury Lures. Offices in Henderson and Reno and Las Vegas. you got to dial 775 in the north. If you need help, call our buddies at Battleborn Injury Lawyers, Matt Hoffman, Justin Watkins. But uh, tip of the hat, seems by the way, to the Denver Nuggets. What a great team. It's going to be interesting seeing them in the Miami Heat. Yes, I'm putting the Heat and the Nuggets uh, in the finals. What are you talking about? The numbers are saying, according to ESPN's model, that the Celtics have a 72% chance of winning Still? the series. Yeah. This no. is why I do no. not trust numbers. This is why... Math truly doesn't matter. No, seriously, it's it's actually their model. That's what they're saying. The Heat are breaking the model. Every everything that they kind of conjure together to bring out the analysis to get those numbers, it doesn't make any damn sense. It's Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Betting with John Von Tobel. Lindsey Brown over on Raider Nation Radio nine twenty. John Von Tobel is up. What do you think of Lindsey saying math sucks? Okay. Um, well, it's good in radio always to have opinions, so that's that's that was very strong. But I will say, so there's a couple of things. First off, the 72 that she threw out there, I believe, was uh, not updated before, uh, since the Game 3 result because I was digging into that a little bit more, and you haven't seen it. So I think that is not the updated number, so that's a little bit of a, you know, it's a flawed place to start with. Uh, however, I'll also say that that's one place's model, you know what I mean? So I don't know if one um, institution's model is a reflection on math uh, as a whole when it comes to sports. And I would also add 
This is where I'm going to get in some hot water. What are the chances that this is just the 3% happening? Mm-hmm. You know that, what I mean? That was, the original, like, that was the original number we pointed out at the beginning that the uh, ESPN analytics had it as a 97% chance that the Celtics were winning the series. Now, I don't think the number should have been 97%. Uh, the series price that was about 85%, I think, was more fair. I thought it might have been a little bit higher than that. You know, we're talking about minus 600. That converts to about 85.7%. But, you know, everybody was coming in and, you know, pooping on Vegas. And then, of course, ESPN was the prime the example of that because of that number of 97. And But it's not like the models came out and said Boston had a 100% chance of winning this thing. You know, the, the other end of the probability is happening right now. The Miami Heat are winning this thing. So if you want to quibble with the initial percentage that they gave out, that's fine. But to act like they never knew, like we have to understand what probability is. And maybe, just maybe, that's right. And the 3%, or in this case, we're talking about the series price before it started, the 15 to 16% is actually just playing out in front of our eyes right now. John Von Tobel is with us for VEASAN, JVT. So in these two series, I mean, let, let's admit, we're, we're all a bit shocked that they're sitting in the position they are right now. Give me some lessons first from the Nuggets and Lakers because L.A. could be booted tonight. Uh, well, some of us are shocked by this series. Um, no, let me I'll, I'll say this. And I actually I know you're asking me separately, but I do think that these two teams tie in together. But we'll start with this one first because there is a grand picture here. So go back to Saturday, guys, with game three. The market freaks out. Because, well, the Lakers, they're down 2 nothing. They're going back home. Desperation spot. We love these situations as betters. They got to come out. They got to win. They're going to be intense. They're going to cover. They're going to destroy them in the first half. It's what we always talk about in these scenarios. But what ends up happening? Nuggets end up leading by two at halftime. So that first half number in a game that closed five and a half, six, you were laying four and a half. They lost that outright. And for the game, they lost it outright. So I think, you know, it's a lesson and there's scenarios for the Celtics series that we can get into too, where you look at this and you go, okay, sometimes there are scenarios that are worth looking into, but the market accounts for these things. So when you want to bet into an inflated number, like it's just you as a better are not getting any value. And for me, Steve, like it was one of those things, my hands were tied. You know, I was already involved with Denver for the series and I don't like to bet in on series that I'm already involved with because I like to see it play out. But on Saturday, I was getting over 2-1 to one with the Denver Nuggets on the money line. That's, that's just too much only because of the scenario a team is in. So it's a really good lesson for anybody out there where you're looking at this. Everything that you know, they know. And I mean, they, the odds makers, the market. And it's already factored in. But so many people come hounding in on one side because of the situation that you get a dead number. And all of a sudden, value starts to come up on the other end. And sure enough, the Nuggets go in there and win that game outright. Let me ask you a quick question, JVT, because what I don't understand – is so the line in Denver was the original line was a little bit bigger. They settled in and for game one and two, basically the consensus was five and a half. The games, the series shifts to LA, and in tradition, right? If you take a few points away to a neutral court and then a few points away to go to LA, let's just take it, let's just shift it six points. Shouldn't the line only be like a half a point to one point Lakers, but it's three, three and a half? Yeah, I so I made it one and a half, Willie, to your overall point. So, yes, like I, I think you're right. And if you want to increase home court a little bit because playoffs, I don't know, mean something a little bit more, sure. But to your overall point, that's still putting you at about two, right? right? Not not like three and a half where we're at right now or to add on to the point we just made, not six, which it was at one point on Saturday. It's an insane flip. So to your point, like I think you're right in looking at this and going, huh? Like what are we doing still? 
And look, I, I my theory coming into these two games in L.A. are the same that they were for Denver going into Phoenix, each of those road games that they played. Denver money line. I think the market is way over-factoring home court. They're over-factoring desperation, whatever it is. So got one in on Saturday, so I'm already going to come out ahead just by doing that and then coming back here again. But I'm in again on the Denver money line. I agree with you. This number is too high. So if there's value in three and a half, taking it, there's value in taking a money line price. I think the Nuggets are going to close the series out tonight. John Von Tobel is up on ESPN Reno, ESPN Las Vegas. Let's just talk some basketball and the things that happened within a game. There is nothing better than what unfolded on Friday with Jimmy Butler and Grant Williams. Dude, I love that so much. For the audience that didn't really take it in, can you describe describe the mistake that Grant Williams made? So, and this is why, too, you know, as somebody who likes math to kind of bring it full circle to what we talked about, these unquantifiable things are the things yep. I enjoy the most. Grant Williams decided to poke the bear. He, there, he's feeling himself. They're up by nine. He gets in Jimmy Butler's face. He's talking all sorts of mess. Jimmy Butler, of course, is never one to back down. Gives him like, okay, okay. The Heat then close on a 24-9 to run after he gets into it with Grant Williams to close out that game and take that, that contest to go up 2 nothing. Now, eventually, of course, we know 3 nothing. That was incredible. Like, there are things that are unquantifiable with data sometimes, and I readily admit that. I know Adam doesn't like to admit things that you clutch, whatever it is. Some guys just step up in the moment of competition. And from that point forward, let's bring some math into it. Jimmy Butler with Grant Williams as his primary defender went five of six from the floor. Like It was awesome to watch him just go, all right, little kid, you don't know what you're about to get into right now. And to just watch him utterly destroy Grant Williams down the stretch of that game was beautiful. One of my favorite things about that forehead to forehead was what did it remind you of? It totally took me back to the notorious, the infamous, the highlight of Bulls, Knicks, Xavier McDaniel, oh, and Michael Jordan when they went head we to Do you remember that? No. Have you, have you, no you're, too, have, you're too young for no, that. No, no, no. Here's my thing. I no. remember it. I know what it is. Can we stop? All right. Jimmy Butler is Jimmy Butler. Stop calling him Michael Jordan's son. Stop comparing. I wasn't even saying. Jimmy wait a minute. Wait, wait, no, wait, wait, no, 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 no. I was just talking no, about no, the forehead no, to forehead no, thing. No, That's no, it. I don't care. I don't care. This is Jimmy Butler's moment. Stop calling. Stop invoking the memory of Michael Jordan. Okay, oh Jimmy God. Butler is his own man. He deserves his own name. He's awesome. Don't call him Jamichael, like Jordan or whatever the heck is out there. He's Jimmy Butler. I never even saw anything awesome. like that. Stop invoking the memory of Michael Jordan. It's Jimmy Butler. <laughs> My goodness. I tried to warn you. Bringing up that point. You didn't know I kept I was giving you the up. signal. You didn't know I was bringing that up. I kept giving you the signal. John, I was walking around the studio and I kept pointing at Willie and putting my hand real low by my knee. <laughs> too small. Too short. Too short too to bring small. up that oh, point. Too short. Too, yeah. too small. Yeah. Look at him. He's just staring at me like, let's see how small I am in a second when I, I already know come, how small come I running, come running around that table and slam your fat body against the wall. <laughs> Whatever. It, it's happened in here before. We've seen it happen in here before. That's right. All right. I don't know how sturdy that area where uh, Ari has this whole setup now. There's a couple of body checks against that wall. I'm just sticking up for my guy, Jimmy. He deserves his own moment. Yeah, you're Stop right. comparing him to Jordan. You're right. You're right. So can we look ahead? What do you think will happen in a Nuggets Heat final? So I, I am very pro-Denver. I've been on them in some form or fashion every single one of these series that they have been in, yep. and I'm going to be on them again. And, and I will say, because I should have full disclosure, at least in the series against Boston, I was very anti-Miami. 
You know, I thought that Boston was going to win this with ease. I laid two and a half games at plus like 129, whatever it was, and got some good value. You know, the market closed in a different spot, whatever it was. I was wrong. And so this might cloud my judgment a little bit, but I'm so high on Denver, guys, in terms of Nikola Jokic being absolutely unstoppable no matter who you throw on him. The depth that they have. One of my favorite things about the Denver Nuggets, and it's kind of like basketball nerdy, but when you talk about moves on the on the fringes where in the offseason, it's not going to make a lot of headlines, but it's so good. The additions of Bruce Brown and Contavious Caldwell-Pope and what those two have done for Denver in terms of adding depth to guys that fit perfectly with what they're looking for and what they need. I love this team from top to bottom. What they've been able to do is incredible. They're very well coached. This is not going to be the same thing as Joe Mazzula versus Eric Spolstra. Mike Malone is one of the best kept secrets in terms of coaches in the NBA. So I think Denver is going to win that series. Now, to the, de- the degree to which they're going to win it, that is something that I haven't really seen. I haven't really run through and thought about yet. I'm expecting that this is going to be a series price about minus 200 in favor of Denver, maybe a little bit over that. But I think that Denver has a lot going for them in terms of the way they shoot, the way they can actually defend, at least in terms of having a baseline of defense there, and the way they can play with Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic, that I think that they would win that series. Is Carmelo Anthony a Hall of Famer? Yes, undoubtedly. Yeah, right now he is. is I, he, I just the question I put was: Is he a is he a first ballot Hall of Famer? I think he's a Hall. Yeah, of, he, he's one hundred percent a Hall of Famer. Is he a first ballot? You know, he might be. Is he, here's the thing, guys: the, the the basketball Hall of Fame is notoriously easy to get into, right? So, like, it's it's one of those things where he's got a good enough narrative. He was a good enough basketball player, both college and pro. That's the big thing, right? It's not just that he was a good NBA player. It's not the NBA Hall of Fame. It's the basketball Hall of Fame, and that has carried a lot of people to a Hall of Fame birth, and I would think that what he did in college on top of what he did as an NBA professional, Willie, I would, like, if you were putting up odds, yeah. I would make first ballot, like, a small favorite to, to actually happen. I think he would be a ballot Hall of Famer, first ballot Hall of Famer. I will throw I will throw my support behind Carmelo Anthony for this. Mm. He was on the teams, the USA teams, that were actually struggling a bit, and he was oh, the best player yes. on Steve? those teams. So international play should count yeah, as well. I, I, I would, and it does. It actually, it absolutely does. Yeah. So I think that's actually a really great point that I totally forgot about. Yep, watching all of those Olympics teams and watching how good Carmelo was with some of those, uh, he was absolutely brilliant. So no, actually, I w- I'm increasing the price. That's a really good point that I forgot to even think about. Uh, he, I would say he's a massive favorite to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah, and I said when they were struggling, he was on three gold medal wing teams. Yep. So yep. they won in 2000. I mean, that was a famous talking point, right? Because he... I think one point he he was interviewed and he was asked about that. He said something along the lines of valuing the Olympic medals more uh, than actually getting a rate. Because he won. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah, he won. He felt it. Um, last minute here. Last minute here. Uh, did you get a chance to watch? We've got two basketball movies out right now. White Man Can't Jump and Air. Uh, Ari threw out that he had watched 10 minutes of White Man Can't Jump and then made the comment that Jack Harlow has a great jumper. I've now seen the whole thing. Just update. Yeah, if 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 what Ari watched is true and he said that he's got a great jumper, that stunt double's got a great jumper. Yep. <laughs> then they, they definitely I haven't watched it yet. They definitely edited it. And we're going off Ari's ba- basketball knowledge that it's a great jumper, but he, it must it's look true. good. It must look good in the you movie. He's got to make a bunch of them because That's when we really good when when I might have watched that when you when you and great. I watched a video that would like in NBA whatever celeb games, it was not a great jumper. First of all, Ari and basketball knowledge should never be in the same sentence. Johnson he's from Philly. Philly. Right? Yeah, he's from Philly. Philly. Yeah, he understands basketball. Um, <laughs> I, I would say, yeah, watching that, he's got like a shot put of like yep. a, a shot. Like he yep. just kind of pushes the ball forward. There's no real arc on it. It's 
it's a really weird shot for sure. You know what it reminds me of, kind of? It reminds me of like if a guard had Joachim Noah's shot. You know what I mean? Like it was, okay. it was really weird. Go, uh, since Willie tried to force in olden times to our conversation, go and watch some video of Michael Adams, guard for Denver, and I think the at the time the Bullets. Watch his jumper, and it's kind of like that. So maybe Harlow okay. does have a good jumper. I don't know. John, I mean, I'll watch it. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. We didn't get your food update, but you know, next week, next week you'll bring it by. See you, buddy.